testify <laughs> to the word. All right. Please stand with me in honor of the word of God as I read Proverbs 4, 5 through 11. Stand up. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head, and present you with a glorious crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now the kids may be dismissed. All right, follow shipping, you guys. Okay. Our scripture at the verse 11 said, I've taught you the way of wisdom. That's my title for the sermon today as we're reading uh, and in the book of Proverbs now. And we're reading through the Bible project this year. The way of wisdom. We need wisdom, don't we? We need wisdom in the world. Uh, we need just to know uh, the commandments. We, know, we need to know basic moral ethics. We need to know right from wrong. We need to know that wisdom. But wisdom is much more than that. Wisdom can help us navigate the complexities of life. So there's a lot of things that aren't real clear, uh, just right and wrong, you know, uh, like the commandments. Uh, there are things that, everyday things we, we're praying about where we need wisdom. Like uh, if you were, you know, graduated from high school and you were praying about going to a college or going into trade school. Which one should I do? Do I go to college? If I go to college, which college do I go to? What career do I take? Those are all real important decisions that we need wisdom on. And then a real important one is if we are to get married, who are we to marry? You know, how are we to process that? We need so much guidance and wisdom in those everyday questions that we encounter. Uh, Sometimes you encounter just helping somebody. Do you help them? Do you help them? Maybe they're trouble maybe that doesn't actually help them maybe that just enables you know they're maybe if they're in some kind of addiction you know and you're just constantly praying like do I help them I need wisdom here do I help them if I help them how much how much do I help them how long do I help them there's all these questions in life isn't there I mean where we're just constantly every day in need of wisdom I I I ask for wisdom I want to get wisdom I I pray I need wisdom more and more every day And I think each one of us might be able to say, yes, uh, let me learn more today about the way of wisdom. And that's what I want to discuss as we go through some Proverbs. We're not going to specifically just break down each verse in this this text. We're going to actually kind of just go on a little short journey, which will be just touching the surface of what Proverbs has um, in the way of, of wisdom. But in the beginning... Proverbs starts at the very beginning 
in verse 2 by saying that it's written for gaining wisdom. That's what Proverbs is about. It's for gaining wisdom. And so the very first, it seems to have a beginning. Wisdom seems to have a beginning. It seems to have a start. If you want to start in your search for wisdom, Proverbs says in Proverbs 1.7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there's a contrast in Proverbs a lot of times. They're uh, sayings that help you in the, in the way of, of wisdom, but they contrast. So you see that the fear of the Lord is uh, the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. So what is the fear of the Lord? Uh, what does that mean? How do I get started in my journey for the way of wisdom, to be taught along and led along the path of wisdom? So Proverbs will use wisdom like a lady, lady wisdom. Some of the interpretations will use lady wisdom. Where's lady wisdom leading you and guiding you in the way, in the path? There's all these compares of the ways and the path in each verse. Like what is that way? What is that path? Am I on that path? Am I on that way of wisdom? And this beginning of the fear of the Lord uh, is at the, at the maybe root core is that it is a moral mindset. It is understanding with humility that God is God and I am not. It's kind of the first like opening up to the humility that there is a God uh, in this that is sovereign, that is all-powerful, and I am not. And recognizing that is the beginning of recognizing the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of opening up a lifelong search into the way of wisdom. So recognizing that, um, that I am not God, and therefore I don't get to make up my own definition of right and wrong. A lot of us want to do that, and it's innate in all of us because of uh, sin, uh, uh, original sin that was looking at a tree that, you know, humanity had the choice of choosing, fearing the Lord, you know, and saying, you've chosen what's right and wrong, and you've chosen that I'm not to eat from this one tree, but I can eat from all the others, all the good stuff, but, you know, all the good trees, all the plants, all the garden, enjoy your fellowship, walk in the cool of the evening with you, enjoy all this, but don't eat from this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but we ate from it, and we're all followers, and, and Adam and Eve sin, and that we, and what that that, that temptation was to be wise in your own eyes. Here's the way you can find wisdom. God's holding something back from you. Uh, these, these intricate, subtle lies that, that got us deciding for ourselves. I'll decide whether this tree, uh, whether I shouldn't eat from it. Let me taste it. You know, let me, and let me, and this was our rebellion. This is, uh, it may not seem like a big thing to you, but it's, it's deep in the heart of us to be rebellious and, and traitorous to our Creator who made us and loved us and gave us a place to flourish in the garden. And that rebellion brought sin. It brought these things to where we want to choose for ourselves what's right and wrong. And if, if right isn't convenient for us, it can be any area of life, your sexuality, trying to figure out all that's going on with your gender these days, these um, race relations, politics, you know, all these different things that are, have all these intricacies. Well, I just want to decide for myself. And our world and our culture feeds into that and says, yeah, just decide for yourself what's right and wrong. And if you decide that, that's okay with me. If you want to decide that, that's okay with me. 
you know, and sometimes they add on if it doesn't harm anybody else, but then there's all kinds of definitions whether that harms somebody else or not. You get into abortion issues and all that. Well, that doesn't, the, the woman can choose for themselves because, you know, we want to give them the right to choose and do what's right in their own eyes. Don't try to put that pressure, but then they're, well, are they harming someone else? Well, yeah, most Christians believe they are. You know, they're harming a life that's conceived, it's born, you know, that's coming forth and you know, so there's these things that we need wisdom in our world, and we can get really foolish without the fear of the Lord. And that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It just begins to open up the door. Do you think you can do what's right, or do you believe you need to submit to what God says is right, and not just when it's convenient to do so? Ouch. Because that's when it really, really begins to hurt. Because if you have these issues and you have these struggles and you're a young mother that's pregnant and you're, you know, somebody that's trying to decide a difficult situation with your life and your passions don't follow the seemingly passions of a, of a boy or a girl or trying to figure out gender and you seem to have these real opposing things and feelings, if you haven't experienced that, then you're not wrestling with it. But if you are, then it comes down to are you going to do what God says or not? And so we need to not just look at all those issues that are other people's issues, but what are our issues? What is wisdom saying, like, this is what hurts me. This is what I want to do. I believe this is right in my own eyes and get down to those issues. And do I submit to God? Do I have the beginning step of the way of wisdom uh, to submit to God when it actually affects me and what I want to do and what I want to decide is right in my own eyes? I think this is right. And we can justify those things in many ways. Or we can look around and see what everyone else's problems are. But wisdom doesn't do that. Wisdom is growing in their own overcoming of these moral um, and submitting to these moral absolutes of God. These moral virtues that are out there in our plain sight. And Proverbs begins there. It's a father-son. It's what a good parent would want to teach their children. It's a father and a mother trying to say, if you do this, most times things are going to go really good for you. If you would just do this, most times things are going to go really, really good for you. That's where wisdom begins. Wisdom gets a little more intricate when you get into Job and Ecclesiastes. It begins to wrestle with deeper issues. But at the beginning, it's good to just know, you know, this most times are the wisest sayings from all generations. If you do these things most times, you are going to benefit good outcomes. But the Proverbs aren't exactly formulas. It's not like, you do this, you get that. You know, God's not a Coke machine. Put in my dollar, give me my Coke. You know, Proverbs says this. If I do this, then I get that. Well, there's a lot of Proverbs in there. And then when you get to the end of the wisdom writings, you get into Ecclesiastes, and there's some interesting things going on there. It doesn't seem to always work that way. Sometimes it looks like the wicked prosper, and they get good things. You know, hey, I'm doing the right thing, and things are going bad for me. And Job wrestles with suffering, and why do suffering happen? So wisdom gets more intricate. But do you love Proverbs? Because it's a little bit more like do this, and most times, from all of looking at all the thousands of years of generations, if you sow these good things, you're going to reap these good things and benefits from God. And all of that begins, the Bible says, for godly wisdom with the fear of the Lord. Omit that, and your path and your way isn't going to be on the way of wisdom according to the word. There is a wisdom of the world. There is a learning that can still take place, but it won't begin with that. Very good start for um, teaching is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom is being able to apply that knowledge. Wisdom is actually taking what you know and putting it into action. It's actually developing skill. 
skill that God gives you in an area. It can be craftsmanship. It can be your trade. It can be what you do. And wisdom does all that. It puts your knowing into not just a big head of knowing a lot of things, but it actually puts wisdom is applied knowledge. And so this is the way of wisdom. This is what uh, the fear of the Lord begins you down, this, this beautiful lifelong road of gaining more and more and more of it as long as you continue to submit to the fear of the Lord. You get caught up in pride, destruction can come. A haughty spirit, you can fall. And so wisdom remains in this humble learning stage of, God, you're in control. You've told me what's right and wrong. Help me to submit to what you say is right and wrong. It has a humility with it. And as Proverbs goes on, Proverbs 1.10, it begins to confront that there is sin. There is right and wrong. Proverbs 1.10 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. It's like there's going to be crowds. There's going to be people. There's going to be you looking at other people. They're all doing that. Why can't I do it? And there's going to be even because they love to, you know, sin loves to bring other people in. It makes them feel better. This isn't really sin. We're doing what's right in our own eyes, and we're getting them to do it with us, so it must be okay. There's a whole lot of things that go with that. Um, but that is the, the nature of sin. And so Proverbs 1 begins to say that. There will be people trying to entice you into these things, try to tell you why they're right. Hey, look at it. Doesn't this make sense? We can do this. We're not hurting anybody. Uh, all these kinds of things. But uh, what Proverbs 1.15 goes on and says, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Wisdom is a way. Don't walk that way. Uh, don't walk in that way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. There is a path that... that uh, people are on? What path are you on? Are you a path that is wisdom-seeking or a path that is foolish-seeking? And Proverbs calls you out on those paths. And the first thing that this uh, Proverbs 1 kind of starts out with, which is an interesting thing, many areas of sin you could talk about, it talks about greed. And it talks about being greedy. This is Proverbs. It closes this whole thing with this whole passage of what's going on there, and it's saying, that such are the ways, this isn't the way of wisdom, this is the opposite of wisdom, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy, who's greedy, it attacks greed, greedy for unjust gain. Uh, and, and what it says that greed does, and that greediness for unjust gain, is it takes away the life of its uh, um, possessors. So when you possess greed and you, you, your greed's never satisfied, it, it wants more, it's, it's got, you know, 100,000, it wants 200,000. It's, it's got a million, it wants 2 million. It's got a billion, it wants 40 billion. <laughs> you know, it, there's a lot of times no satisfaction with certain things like the love of money. And, 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 and we all seem to like and are gravitated towards easy money. How can you make easy money? And we have banks here and we have loan places right in our own town and they, they prey on people that are either in trouble or don't have a lot of sense and they go in and they sign contracts and I've tried to help families and I've tried to help my own daughter and just different things, situations. And it's ungodly what these uh, people do. And some states have outlawed them uh, because they are so oppressively filled with greed. Like, how can we just... You want a $300 loan? Okay, well, there's a $150 fee with that, so now you've made a loan of $450 because we're making $150 up front, and then we're going to charge you 158% interest. And they're, and they're like, can you do that? And some states are like, you know, one of them, you know, said not legal in Texas. I'm like, praise God for them. At least they, you know, tried to shut these things down. 
And they're like, we're just opening the doors. These people are coming in. We're not, you know. We're just saying, we'll give you money. We'll give you money. We don't care who you are. We'll give you money. And they are snakes. And then you go back in and you make one payment. And they'll say, we'll give you another 200. But we're going to charge you another way more fee up front. And now you owe $800. But you've paid a couple of hundred dollars payment. And you never pay these things off. And their goal is for you to never pay them off. They'll harass you there. They'll harass you at home. They'll harass you at your work. They'll, they'll, put, they'll get you to sign the line where they can take money if you are working. If you're not, they can take money and intercept checks. They, they're going to get that money. And then you get parents like me who, who might go in and pay off these things. And they're like, we made all the money and all the fees. We made 158% interest and we made all of this, you know, because we know there's somebody out there that we can call and harass is going to come in and maybe take care of this person. And they make enough to where these places are all over our country. Anyway, that's just a short thing about greed. But it is the American way to a certain degree. You know, greed is, is a good thing because, like, you know, you, you know how to make money. And you're doing it fair. And it's legal. And other people are doing it. And, uh, and so we need wisdom. Bad. <laughs> uh, we need wisdom that warns us against those paths. Those people that are doing those kinds of things. Uh, Proverbs says it will suck the life out of them to do it. You may think you're gaining one thing, but it'll dry up your soul and wither it. Don't get into those kinds of things. Don't try to make the easy money. Proverbs is going to exhort you to work hard. Work hard. Make your way slow. Don't look for the quick, easy gain. Sounds like wisdom to me. Sounds like the way of wisdom to me, doesn't it? But we don't heed it a lot of times, and that's the next point that wisdom gets into. The way of wisdom receives Reproof. That's the way ESV says it. Some use a stronger word like rebuke, you know. And so, anybody ever get a rebuke? Did you like it? Uh, actually, if you do like it and you like somebody reproving you and getting in your face, um, you're actually a person that's on the path of wisdom. If you love not just flattering words, everything's going great, praise you for this, praise you for that, but somebody that actually speaks into your life and says something, and it's reproving to you, it's corrective to you, and you like that, you're actually on the right path. You're on the path of the way of wisdom. Proverbs one twenty three says, If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you, and I'll make my words known to you. One of the first things is this idea of humility and how you respond to correction. And uh, what will you do with reproof? What will you do with the Lord's reproof? The Lord says, no, uh, you know, this is specifically something that, you know, you do not want to do. Or if it's something that is navigating the complexities of life and it's like, now I, I do want you to give that person or I don't want you to give that person. Do you respond to that? Or you're doing this and this is really wrong. You didn't realize that, but it's really wrong. Do you go, oh, other people are doing it and I can do it and, you know. Do you respond like that, or do you say, yes, Lord, reprove me, correct me. I treasure your reproof. Teach me the way of wisdom. Show me, open up my blind eyes to where I'm blind to my sins. Uh, it might be the way you treat people. It might be the way you're gossiping. It might be your tongue. It might be the way you're, you're, you're uh, just all kinds of areas of our lives. How do you respond to reproof? Proverbs, do you turn away from it? Uh, do you spurn reproof? Do you despise reproof? Do you ignore reproof? Any of those things are despising reproof. If you just ignore it, like, man, I don't hear that. You know, that's not God. Uh, 
Or do you open yourself up to that and you take responsibility for that and do you humbly repent? Or do you go, oh, look at what someone else is doing and they're doing this and political scene is this and that's, that's really bad about over here and look at over here and look at what all these people are doing and what our culture is doing. But you're doing this, Bobby. You know, uh, well, yeah, but, you know, God, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we don't want that. That's not the way of wisdom. That's me being a fool. And uh, it's a distraction. It's a blame game. Look at them. Look at how bad they're doing. Look at all those foolish people. You know, this is not the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom is humbly like loving reproof of the Lord and going, thank you for correcting me. Thank you for taking my feet off of the path of destruction and putting me on the path where my life will flourish. Thank you so much for that reproof and that correction in my life, God. And that's what Proverbs, the way of wisdom, begins to say. Proverbs 1, 29-31, Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, uh, they would have none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way, and they shall be filled with their own devices. Eventually, God lets people have their own way. He might be reproving them. Don't go that way. Don't do that. Nations, nations, don't do this. Nations, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. They spurn their reproof. They push in their own ways. They push in their own ways, and God brings... Okay, have your own way. And you know what having your own way is? It's the curse of God. It's God saying, go ahead, do it, and see where that takes you. But his reproof and holding you from that and urging you uh, from it is his blessing, his blessing of correction, his blessing of reproof to hold you back from that way. That's what Paul began Romans with. In Romans 1.24, there's this repeated phrase three times. It says, therefore God gave them up. God let them have their own way like this Proverbs. He gave them up to their own devices. He just let them, okay, that's what you want. Okay, you're going you're gonna to see you know, really clearly. If you don't love my reproof, you don't love my discipline, uh, this is where it will lead. And he says in Romans 1.24, Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity. Romans 1.26, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Romans 1.28, God gave them up to debased mind, to do what not ought to be done. God eventually, many times... In the, the fool's heart who, who despises reproof, God gives them up to their own devices. Have the feel and the fruit of your ways. And he does that with nations too. Gives them the fruit of their ways. And it rolls pretty quickly into destruction. So these are all warnings. This is like a, a good mother and father wanting to warn people from these paths and warn them. And one of the first warnings after greed is you need to respond to reproof. You need to respond correctly to correction. You need to love it. Like, this is going to help me grow in wisdom. This is going to help me. This is going to do something. This isn't just some praise flattering word. This is something that I need in my life. But reproof hurts. It almost always hurts. Just to discipline, uh, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, and all through. It seemed like every proverb I was re- reading, do you respond to reproof? Do you respond to reproof? Uh, chapter 11, chapter 12, just on and on, there's a verse in there. How do you respond to reproof? If you respond to reproof, you're going to get instruction. If you don't, it's just on and on. How do you respond to reproof? And, uh, but the problem is, is that reproof kind of hurts, right? Because it's correcting you. It's telling you, you're wrong in this area. You're, you're, you're not uh, doing the, the, way that, the, the way of wisdom that, that I would like to have you on. So it hurts, and that's what discipline actually means. Discipline actually means pain. To discipline someone means, and it, it involves pain, hurt, hurting our, our, our huge egos, you know, that we want to defend on, on every side. And it will create some kind of pain a lot of times, reproof. But the, the, the Lord is reproving like pruning, 
Because he says that if he doesn't do that and you despise it, you're going to eat the fruit of, their, uh, of your ways. But if you respond, it's like pruning. He's trimming you down. You're like, oh, man, they look like they're, you know, really a little beaten down little bush. But they're not. They're trimmed down, and these new bushes come out, and he's trimming these vines. And he's like, this, this is going to produce a lot more fruit in your life, in Bobby's life. If I clip this off, clip that off, clip this off, and then this branch is going to create good fruit, reproof. And responding to proof correctly produces good fruit. So uh, Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. God, you know, okay, you corrected me on that. <laughs> you corrected me on this. Yeah, if he loves you, man, he's on top of you. A father, a good father, good mother, they're on top of their kids. They don't just let them go everywhere. They're watching them. They're staying on top of them. Hey, don't do that. No, you shouldn't watch that. Hey, turn that off. Hey, let's go outside and play together. Hey, and it also praises them for the good times and catching the good things that they do. But what it is, is it's not weary of, of, of reproof. And so, you know, be on, on your kids in, lo- in love and, and watching them and, and grandkids and grandparents and all the phases of life that God has you on. You can be influential in these areas. So do not be weary of my reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father of the son in whom he delights. And Hebrews quotes this in the New Testament from Proverbs. So there's a lot of Proverbs that are, are quoted in the New Testament. The Lord reproves him who he loves. If he's not reproving you, he's let you have your own way. And even a father that doesn't reprove this, their sons uh, and daughters and mothers and parents involved in their kids, just it's saying that you don't love your kids if you won't bring correction into their life because they're headed down a path that will destroy them, and you should warn them. So Proverbs goes on and on that, yes, discipline creates pain. A lot of times kids will fight back. They'll yell at you. They'll tell you don't love you. They'll say all these mean things back to you. They, they get it. <laughs> They get it, and they will get it more and more. You'll look back on all those times just like you do now when your dad got on you or your mom, and it helped you steer in the right direction. You look back and go, I'm glad they didn't listen to me, and they got on to me, and they stayed on me about that because it gave me a direction that led into life. And so Proverbs goes on and on about reproof. I'm spending a lot of time on this point. I think it's big. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So a friend will speak the truth to you in, in candor. A true friend will confront you about things. They won't just, an enemy is the one that kisses you all the time, you know, and says, you know, stay, stay, stay close. But actually a good friend, uh, their wounds, their pain, their candor to you, the confrontation that a lot of times you have with friends when you can speak into each other's lives <clears throat> like this. This is having a true friend. Faithful are the wounds because the wounds are meant to instruct you in the way and God uses people in our lives and God uses good friends in our lives that can help us and lead us. And, 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 and I know that's hard, but that's what friendships are about. Don't run, you know, uh, when, when reproof or correction comes through a close friend like, hey, you know, I know you really like this guy, you know, and you're just, you know, but it's not the right thing for you. I mean, we need to be listening to especially our close friends. Well, I'm never going to see them again. You know, they tried to tell me what to do. Friends should be able to be candid with each other. And it should be in love. And it should be helping us guide us in the way of wisdom. Don't make those kinds of investments with these people or that. Or I'm, you know, I have a good financial side. You maybe don't. I can speak into your life in this area. Hey, I'm good with this. I can speak into your life about that. Faithful are those wounds where it does hurt. 
to be corrected and reproved by a friend, but they're faithful because they lead us in the way of wisdom. And we also need groups of people, and we need church family. Iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another, as one man sharpens another. You know, you know, the only thing that sharpens iron is striking against other iron. And that's okay. We need to be okay with that um, and not just uh, always avoid uh, the being able to, to speak what wisdom we have into a friend's life. So God will use hard times. He'll use painful times. And those things he's disciplining with us can be painful, but they're the way of wisdom. If you're in pain, you're going through pain, you've been said something, these things a lot of times are good. They are teaching us some of the deep things in life about wisdom. And it seems like those kinds of situations have grown more and more and more in my life. Uh, uh, I just turned 60, um, and my brother just uh, yesterday, we celebrated his 80th birthday. So our family is uh, between me, the youngest that just turned 60, and he turned 80. And I remember the last time all our family got together uh, was when my oldest brother turned 60, and I had just turned 40. But, I mean, we were celebrating his 60th, and he is kind of has that... Uh, leadership quality of a firstborn, and uh, we love gathering around and celebrating that that time. But he has emanated a lot of these uh, practices uh, to our family. Uh, both uh, my, my uh, of my parents died when I was young, and so you know he he led in a lot of those. He led spiritually. He led in the fear of the Lord. He led uh, in how to work hard. I ended up getting him a shirt. Because uh, he would say, when you were working with him, if you were standing around for a second, he'd like, anticipate. Can't you see what I'm doing? I'm going to need that. Go get that tool. Bring it to me. Why aren't you thinking about what I'm doing? Get your head in the game. You know what I mean? And we would jump and laugh. And my other brother would laugh, oh, Ken, anticipate, anticipate. You know, and all this. And so I got him a shirt that said anticipate for his 80th birthday. And on the back of it, it's a, it's a Proverbs from 29. And it says, um, that do you see somebody skilled with his work? And that skilled is this word of wisdom. It's actually the ability to apply knowledge in an area. And he was, you know, skilled in his area of work. Do you see a man who's skilled in his work? That's wisdom. Who has wisdom with their work? You just see they're really good at what they do. That man shall serve before kings, shall stand before kings. Like, be honored. Uh, and so just this Proverbs does this. Hard work. Wisdom will lead you in that way. So the way reproves. Uh, Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. A wise man will love you for uh, your reproof. Uh, Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. Uh, He whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Uh, I'm not listing the topics of Proverbs 9.8, Proverbs 13.18, Proverbs 15.31, Proverbs 27.5. Better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. And so we need these things. But the Lord is the source of wisdom. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Wisdom comes from God, comes from his mouth, comes from his word. So treasure God's word in your heart. Dig into his word. Mind deep into his word because the buried treasures are there. And the word of God is uh, the way of the wise. 
The way of the wise doesn't just read servicely. Read, I, I know devotions are good, but we get used to reading one little short thing and, you know, five minutes. But if we dig into the word, there's hidden treasures in there. God actually puts hidden treasures in his word that require mining, mining for the gold, mining for the word, actually spending time in it and saying, where is this? So uh, wisdom comes from the Lord and it's written in his word. Dig deep into those treasures. Wisdom is a hidden treasure. Proverbs 2, 4 says, if you seek for her like silver, if you seek as, uh, for as hidden treasures, this is seeking for wisdom. Do you seek for wisdom like that? Because that's the kind of thing that Proverbs is urging you to do. It's to be searched for like a hidden treasure. And this wisdom comes from God. Wisdom walks, uh, another point, wisdom walks with integrity and remembers their covenant of marriage and the vows they made before God. The word of God still honors marriage, still honors uh, the intimacy and sexual intimacy to be had within marriage. This is where you will flourish. Other ways, uh, you, you will not flourish. It's not the way of, of wisdom. Wisdom uh, listens to the basic commandments. That's a basic one. Greed is kind of hard to figure out. Am I greedy? I don't know. I don't know. That's hard to measure that. You know, that, that takes a lot. But adultery, that doesn't take uh, a whole lot of measuring. Uh, it's really clear what that is. Uh, according to the Bible. And so uh, Proverbs 2 says, uh, 16, uh, to be delivered from the adulterous woman and from her smooth words. And so it's teaching to avoid that, to honor uh, marriage, to honor your vows that you make before God, keep to them, hold true to that. We don't hear that much in the world today, do we? That's the way of wisdom. Uh, We hear all kinds of ways of why we can leave and should leave and and, 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 and all, the, all of those kind of things. But um, the Bible also instructs more than just on um, adultery, but sexual immorality is still a huge thing in the world. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin that a person commits is outside the body, but sexual, the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. It's like that greedy person that, that when they sin, it actually sucks life from them to do what they're doing, and sexual sins do that too. They do not allow you to prosper. The Bible and the biblical wisdom does not say that you will prosper as an immoral person. If you want to flourish... If you want to flourish in God, this is God's way, this is commands, you might feel differently about it. That doesn't matter. Will you begin with the fear of the Lord who, that says to flee sexual immorality? It's become commonplace to talk about pornography. It's commonplace to say, well, that's all right, that's all right. Well, everyone's doing it, or I didn't spend any money on it. It's just a thing, you know, this and that. And the Bible is uh, not complacent in its encouragement, and neither is Proverbs, that you will not flourish by doing those things. Proverbs 2.20 goes on to say that you will walk in the way of the good, and you will keep your paths on the paths of the righteous. You won't be on those paths. If you're on those paths, you're on a foolish path. That's what the Word of God says. So wisdom leads in a path of sexual purity. It honors the covenant of marriage, and it will it allow you to enjoy sexual intimacy within the uh, structure that God has given within marriage between one man and one woman. The Bible still sticks by all of that. It doesn't change with culture. So we need to pray a lot, right? And young people need to pray a lot. You need to pray a lot for young people because sexual desires are very strong and they're very persuasive. And so we need to spend lots of time in prayer and lots of time in prayer for our family and and younger people in our lives praying over them because that draw 
is very strong to pervert the way of wisdom and sexual immorality. The Proverbs will warn against that over and over again, not just here. But ultimately, there are wisdoms from God, and there's wisdom, as I said, being wise in your own eyes. And Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 is the scripture that a lot of people love. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Here you have ways, paths. And then it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. And it will be, here's what God wants for you in all these things. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. He wants healing in your life. He wants refreshment, medicine, like healing medicine to your bones at the core of, of, of you uh, standing, you know, in strength. These are the good ways that Proverbs teaches us uh, on is the way of wisdom. Follow Lady Wisdom. Follow her. She's leading to heal you, uh, to bring refreshment, medicine, healing, not just to your outer flesh, but to your bones. And so continue to pursue wisdom, not trusting uh, in your own wisdom, but trusting in the Lord with all your heart, not leaning on your own understanding. This makes sense to me. I don't need to consult God about this. I'm going to go to such and such town and make this much money, and it's going on, and I can go do it. You know, James says, James is a lot like Proverbs. He says, no, pray. Don't say you're just going to go to this town and make such and such profit. Pray. Consult God first. I don't care what it looks like, how easy. Go to God. Ask him what you're going to do. How many times do we just step out? I know what I'm doing here. And you don't. Well, the Bible says in the way of wisdom, you won't. Um, You'll consult the Lord about all your decisions. So this wisdom is the the tree of life, Proverbs three eighteen through 22 says. She is a tree of life to those who laid hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Wisdom is a tree of life. It will produce the good things in your life that God desires to produce in you. And the tree of life is only mentioned in Genesis and Revelation and here in Proverbs. And the Proverbs will mention it a couple other times, but right here in Proverbs three nineteen. It's talking about the Lord's wisdom. Uh, by the Lord's wisdom, he founded the earth. It's getting you back to creation. Uh, that stepping into the beginning of wisdom is understanding that God is the creator of all things. He knows what's best for us. He's established right and wrong. He will reprove us and correct us when we're wrong. And he desires for us to flourish in our life. This is the way of wisdom. And this is feeding off of the tree of life. And Revelations twenty two fourteen brings back the tree of life and says, Blessed are those who wash uh, their robes so that they may have right to the tree of life, so that they may enter into the city by gates. What is this city? Uh, Revelation 22, 2 has said uh, that in the middle of the street on either side there was the tree of life, 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. You want the way of wisdom. You want the tree of life, and the tree of life is none other than the wisdom of God wrapped up in Jesus. He was that, that, that feast in the garden of the tree of life. He's the tree of life in Revelation, and he is the wisdom of God right here in the middle of the Bible in Proverbs. The word of the cross 
is folly to those who are perishing, but to those, those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And 1 Corinthians go on to, goes on to say it's not only the power of God, it's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God planned things this way for his son to die upon a tree, a cursed tree, the cross, so that he could cause us to feast upon the tree of life again, to bring us back into relationship with God, relationship with one another, and to feast off of the tree of life once again. That's what Proverbs saying. Wisdom will lead you to the tree of life. And the tree of life is none other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. That sounds dumb to the world. You're telling me that this Jewish person 2,000 years ago dying on some Roman cross with all these other people dying on crosses, nailing all these people. This one person was God's son. That's the answer? That's your answer to the world? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you know what Paul says here um, to the Gentiles, the real thinking, wise people? That's foolishness. That's dumb. That's stupid. That's not the answer. We need this. We need that. We need this. This is what makes sense to me. We need this thing, that thing, this thing. Not Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then it says the Jews, it's a stumbling block. How can a man become a curse so that we can be blessed? What is that talking about? That's not how I see the Old Testament. They stumble over it. To the, to the, to the Greeks, the wise, and all, all the rest of us, it's, it's just foolishness. It doesn't make sense, but to God it is the way of wisdom. That in his son is the solution to the ills and sicknesses of our society the simple humbling bowing down and admitting that you are not god that he is and that he has provided in the simplistic of terms his very own dearly beloved son given in love to die for us in our place to take our rebellion into himself and become sin so that he can provide and get us on the path of righteousness once again, and that's where Proverbs is leading us, and I pray that you love it and you study it uh, all this week. Amen? Amen? Amen. We're going to take communion together, sing a final song, and these little communion things are right here. We do have some uh, non-gluten little bread things back there. If you want to get those, Teresa can get them to you in that box, but if you're okay with these, at the bottom is a piece of bread. And it symbolizes the body of Christ, and the cup is the fruit of the vine, and symbolizes the blood of Christ. And in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks to the Father for it, and he said, this is uh, my body, take and eat of it. Let's take together. Thank you, Father, that you hid these things from the wise, intelligent of the world and you revealed them to babes, to people who would be willing to be little children and come to you. That was your praise, Jesus, Matthew 11. And you knew what it would cost you. You knew it would cost you your very body and giving up your body upon that tree to become a curse for us that you might bless us forever with eternal life. Through your bruised body, through your crushed body, given for our iniquities. Thank you, Lord. We receive that this morning in Jesus' name.
now will partake of the fruit of the vine. He offered up this cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This is the promise I'm making in my very own blood. I'm giving up my life. That's blood. Uh, Life is in the blood. I'm giving up my life for you for the remission of sins. Here's the cure to all those sins, all the the wrong paths and the wrong ways uh, in, in Proverbs. This is the answer, getting you on the right way. It's the sacrifice of, and the shedding of Jesus' blood. And he offered up the, the blood of, of the new covenant for the remission of sins. And he said, take and drink of it. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me. This is for believers to remember what Jesus did for us. Let's partake together. And Father, we thank you and we, we treasure you and we treasure the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. His body that was crushed and bruised for our iniquities. His blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. Help us to celebrate him together as a church today as we continue to sing and worship him in this closing song. In Jesus' name, amen.